Welcome to North Shore Newsweek. Hello, hello, North Shore, and welcome to another edition of North Shore Newsweek, your wrap-up of all the headlines at the record, northshore.org. Uh, we do this in a quick, simple format uh, in the hopes uh, to give you something else to digest your news for the week if you are looking for that. So we'll run through the top headlines of the week. And uh, the biggest news story is I'm back uh, after uh, two weeks. Probably not the biggest story. You probably didn't even know I was gone because Marty and Megan did such a good job here on the podcast. Uh, but I'm glad to be back. And um, I trust Return you. of the man. Welcome back, Joe. Wow. Wow. You just dropped. Um, the turn of the Mac. That was great. I always liked the, the rap on the, uh, the podcast. Um, <clears throat> but you guys know the gist. We do this in three formats or uh, three segments. We do the lead story. Then we go up and down the shore and we do our featured feature to finish things off. But uh, up and down the shore, we'll do it a little differently. We have a couple stories that encompass the whole area. Um, so we're going we're gonna to share those two with you in some detail. Um, first, um, we're going to start off with our lead story, and we have some sad news to report that also affects the whole township. Uh, Wilmette resident Alan Goldberg, uh, former township supervisor, uh, died this week on July 6th at the age of 76. He had a, about a five-year battle with cancer. Um, he was struggling uh, with it, and uh, the battle got more intense this past year, really limited his duties as supervisor before he handed over the reins in May. Um, to Gail Eisenberg. Um, we spoke to um, one of his friends with the township, Stephen Moser, as well as his, his wife, Beth Kling, um, leaves behind Beth and two daughters, um, Mimi and Sarah. He was a public servant for the township for more than 20 years. He was um, elected into uh, his supervisor role in 2017. Uh, one of the only contested elections, by the way, in Nutria Township history, as it's a, it's a caucus slated um, election usually, but it was contested, but he did win. He was on the slate, Alan Goldberg, um, and um, 20 years um, volunteering with the township. He also spent a good deal of his adult life advocating for individuals with disabilities. He was a longtime board member of UCP Seguin, which is a nonprofit organization with a mission to um, create life without limits for people with disabilities. That was quoted right from their website. Um, he has a, a lot of other assignments um, with um, disability-centered organizations um, and uh, a lot of other advocacy. He's even traveled uh, to the nation's capital to advocate for those with disabilities. So um, a sad loss for the community. Um, we have some, just some notes here from um, Stefan Moser, who's a trustee, um, basically spent, uh, ran parallel his time with the township as well as with Alan. He said he was he called Alan a soft and gentle soul who impacted so many people through his generosity and kindness. Um, he certainly stepped up for the township. I never heard Alan say no when asked to do something. Um, supervisor, current supervisor Gail Eisenberg said Alan was always the consummate professional, business professional, thoughtful with criticism, and generous in his praise of quality work. We are grateful for the difference Alan Goldberg made in the township and wish to express our deepest condolences to his wife and daughters. Um, Alan was a born in Chicago, uh, raised in Wilmette, went to Nutria High School where he played football, that love sports continued. Throughout his life, he shared uh, that passion with his daughters. Um, he rooted on Northwestern, both the football team as well as women's sports such as basketball. Um, and uh, 
yeah, rest in peace, Alan Goldberg, certainly a significant loss for New Trier Township. Yeah, absolutely. And well said, Joe, and beautiful tribute up on our website authored by Joe. But um, one thing I just wanted to throw in, he was um, a huge part of many of the initiatives that the township had related to helping out youth in the area, specifically reading-based initiatives, uh, was a big part of the, the yearly book drive that the township always held. So um, a lot to uh, admire about um, Dr. Goldberg, certainly. Yeah, doctor should say he did get a PhD um, to, uh, I believe it was in land planning, but to, um, on a personal note, um, I spoke with Alan multiple times throughout my career here covering Wilmette. Um, always thoughtful, always made the time. I will not pretend I knew him well, um, as we didn't uh, cover the township on a daily basis, um, the township government entity that is, uh, but uh, I was fond of him and, and he was a, a very nice and courteous man, so rest in peace. Um, <clears throat> moving to up and down the shore, uh, we're going to do things a bit different this week. We have a few, a couple stories that kind of touch across the township. First, uh, uh, the, the pride was back out there for the 4th of July and, uh, for, uh, kind of a first, um, major holiday, um, I guess gathering holiday, uh, since, uh, the state reopened and, uh, people came out in force, Marty. Yeah. Fourth of July celebrations and festivities were back in, Back with a bang this year, Joe, and it all started off the evening of July 3rd, which was Saturday with, with, with of course, Wilmette's famous July 3rd celebration that would normally take place in a, in a quote-unquote regular year, but uh, obviously last year uh, was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So it was back this year, and uh, the return was met with uh, thousands of local locals attending the uh, festivities there on Saturday night in Wilmette. It start, that event started at around 4 p.m., but uh, with some music and live entertainment. But obviously the main attraction of the evening is the fireworks show, which is known throughout the North Shore and really throughout the uh, surrounding area as one of the best um, 4th of July firework displays around. And it is always a, a packed night there and packed um, afternoon at Gilson Beach in Wilmette. So that kicked everything off. And then some of our other towns uh, throughout our coverage area had festivities, festivities on Sunday, which was the 4th of July itself in Winneka. The main event was the return of the Villages Parade, which last year was also canceled due to the, due to the pandemic. So Lots of locals and residents stopped on by to catch that parade throughout uh, Winneka, particularly the, the downtown area. The guest of honor was Glenn L. Fellner, who's a World War II veteran um, who served as the parade's grand marshal. Um, Winneka officials described the event as a, an opportunity that would allow attendees to recognize Mr. Fellner's bravery, leadership, and patriotism for his participation in what has been called the greatest American battle of the war. Uh, he originally is a native of Chicago and he enlist, enlisted in the army after high school, uh, according to some information from the village on him. And he served as a technical corporal for the 271st Regiment, 69th Infantry, um, did Mr. Fellner. So if you want to read up a little bit more on his accomplishments, there's a, a full release uh, linked on our website and on the village of Winneka's website, but he served as the grand marshal. And then in Glencoe, uh, there was an array of 4th of July uh, events throughout Glencoe also had a parade of its own. The Jesse white tumblers made an appearance and um, some local dance teams from, from New Trier and the surrounding schools in the village. And then also there was a, uh, a cool little steel drum performance 
at Glencoe Beach later in the afternoon. Also in Northfield, we should mention that the Park District held a, some 4th of July activities with some uh, family-friendly family friendly activities that started at around uh, 11 a.m. at Willow Park down there in Northfield. So uh, really great to see return to normalcy with some 4th of July fun, which is usually the uh, main event of the summer season. Yeah, and uh, while Martin did a, a perfectly capable job of recapping it for you, you got to check out these photos by the talented uh, Rhonda Holcomb and Rob Lang. There are some really cool stuff, really gives you a feel for what was going on in our local community events. A lot of fun was had, a lot of spirit uh, put forth out there. So check it out. Um, another story that, that covers the entire area, uh, just we, we did an update on West Nile, and we always like to make this clear, and I think Marty's going to do so, is... The West Nile virus is present in the community every single year, um, but uh, we always like to share the tips and the latest news. And Marty, what do we got? Yeah, so for the first time uh, this year in early June, I believe it was uh, June 9th to be exact, the North Shore Mosquito Abatement District found mosquitoes that tested positive for the West Nile virus. They found those mosquitoes from a trap that was set up in nearby Skokie. So uh, just a few towns over, depending on where you're listening this from and where you reside. But um, we collected a new report from the abatement district. And according to officials right now, they are saying the risk of being infected with the West Nile virus in the area is low at this time of the year. But they do recommend that you take some uh, precautionary measures to protect and minimize mosquito bites, including using insect repellent, wearing loose fitting clothing, and avoiding peak mosquito feeding times during the hours around dawn and dusk, according to a, a statement that they had sent out. Their most recent report, and I believe they issued these reports every two weeks, sometimes every week, depending on the time of the season, said that they did not find any mosquitoes with the virus. So that recent report was collected at the end of the month. So expect a new one here in a couple of weeks. But as of right now, officials are saying that the risk of infection is very low. Although one, uh, one batch of mosquitoes collected in early June did test positive for the virus. Yes, check out that story and some more details. Uh, we actually are gonna make a quick stop in Glencoe because when you have a so snow cone hut, how can you not make a stop? What's up, Mark? Yeah, stark difference in the story we just talked about, mosquitoes, and now we're going to talk about something much more fun, which is a summer treat and a new one that's making its way to Glencoe's hometown coffee and juice over there in the village's downtown area. And that treat is in thanks to a partnership with Mr. Chill and Homer's Ice Cream. And uh, that uh, hometown has set up a little outside uh, hut that used to be one of their greenhouses for those familiar with how they utilized outdoor dining in the winter season. They utilized one of those greenhouses now to make a hut that serves shaved, shaved ice in a variety of different flavors through that partnership we had just mentioned. So it's going to be open throughout the summer season, just opened uh, a couple weeks ago. So uh, expect maybe a little bit of a wait if you head on over there as it seems to be uh, quite the early hit from, from local residents who have had the chance to check it out. But we've got a full list of the flavors that are being offered up on our website and the prices that come with them. So weather permitting hours are 3 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. So it's set up right out in front of hometown, which is uh, near Valor and Park, which is near Vernon and Park Avenue in downtown Glencoe. So if you're looking for a little bit of a out of the ordinary summer treat, head on over for something a little different at hometown. 
Yeah, very cool story. I think that's awesome that they're doing that. And you'll always get me with Homer's ice cream. Um, Marty, what's the best Homer's flavor and why is it peach? I will have to disagree with you on the peach. I'm more of just a straight up, give me your classic chocolate guy. That's always been Marty. I like the variations on chocolate. I know they rotate their chocolate flavors in and out sometimes. So catch me with the classic chocolate and I'm going to stay away from peach unless it's about 98 on a, on a July afternoon, which we could get. So that's, that's my quick take. All right. So that is up and down the shore guys. Thanks for checking in for that. Our second segment, we're moving on to our final segment, which is another fun one out of Glencoe. Um, and Glencoe, if you did not know, ran a bit of a contest thanks to the Glencoe sustainability task force, uh, called the most impeccable bird. So basically they, their idea was let's choose a bird for Glencoe and the winner is drum roll, please. The, I'm totally gonna, uh, the ruby throated hummingbird. I was going to say red throated, the ruby throated hummingbird, the smallest bird in the world is the uh, is the choice for Glencoe. So it was an online voting competition. They had close to 400, I think more than 100, more than 350 residents cast votes uh, for their favorite bird. And these were all birds. It was a field of 10, all birds that you can see in Glencoe at different points of the year. Um, and obviously the hummingbird was the smallest of, of the field. We also had the great blue heron, the red-tailed hawk, the Baltimore oriole, the great horned owl, um, yellow warbler. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to get them all. Maybe I won't get them all. You're rolling them off here, Joe. Keep going. I'll get back to them <laughs> but um, if you didn't know, some stats on the hummingbird. It's, uh, it averages about three, under four inches per of length and under three grams in weight. It, the bird's wings can flap more than 50 times a second, and it can fly upward of 60 miles per hour, which shocked me, when it's on I a that's some speed right there. When it's on a dive. So it also travels, that little tiny thing travels 500 miles uh, during its migration um, in the Midwest or in Northern America, I should say. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, it's, uh, they said, it, you know, they had a little online um, platform where you could vote. And in the description, it's called it small and dazzling, just like, or just like Glencoe. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. So they partnered with uh, the Friends of the Green Bay Trail and the Glencoe Community Garden, so other kind of environmentally friendly organizations and nonprofits there in Glencoe. Uh, they had a kind of a booth set up at the farmer's market, passing out information and some bird seed. Um, and uh, the, well, the hummingbird won, so pretty cool stuff. Uh, they beat the, I got some more for you, the American goldfinch, the black-capped chickadee, the northern flicker, and the dark-eyed junco, which I would thought was a dark horse, the dark-eyed junco, but I guess yeah, absolutely got it. So um, this was also kind of meant as a as you know um, an advocacy ploy to, to get people to think about um, biodiversity and kind of the declining declining bird population and diversity of the bird population in the area because of climate change uh, threatening its natural habitats as well as human pollution. So. To think about it all that, check out the whole story. Pretty fun little project, but the Glencoe town bird, you could say, is now the ruby-throated hummingbird. And that's it. That's our three segments. Quick and easy this week, folks. Uh, moving on, uh, we got lots of stuff coming up here in the next week. Lots on our plate. Um, we got a cool story from um, our intern, Elaine Trinko, on a um, Olympic hopeful. Uh, no, I'm sorry, an Olympic participant, Maggie Shea. And we have a lot more. What else we got, Mark? 
Yeah, we're going to preview a pretty big upcoming zoning zoning meeting in Glencoe next week that's going to tackle uh, a dispute um, around a potential development that could be coming to uh, Glencoe, the stretch of Green Bay Road in Glencoe. So uh, we've previously reported on it as it when it first appeared in front of Glencoe's village board and seemingly got the initial okay. But um, now we're really going to get into the nuts and bolts of the proposal as we move forward. And then also early next week, we'll have coverage of New Cheshire High School's Board of Education meeting. And this is the first time they've met in about six weeks. So it's fair to assume, expect uh, at least a couple of news stories out of that meeting uh, as it takes uh, as they take a little bit longer in between meetings here during the summer. But nonetheless, some newsworthy items still should come out of it. So very exciting content coming forward here in the next couple of days. Yeah, and I'll throw out, we're going to have a story on um, some turnover at the Wilmette Theater, which is a nonprofit um, entity now. So um, check that out, please, as well as all the other stuff to come. And uh, till next time. Thanks for listening.